Hey everyone, Josh here with the NYC Godcast, where we bring wacky wisdom each week from God's Word. So, was Jesus bad at bonding? Was he careless in kinship? Did he have rank relationships? On today's episode, we'll take a look at how Jesus provided many relationship resets in his life and just what it means for us. So, stay tuned. SpongeBob fans. Okay, Jim. So you remember the episode? It's it's quite infamous. The the episode where SpongeBob is on um, the Flying Dutchman. Mm-hmm. Why that's a part? Like, is it the you're good? Yes, that's the story. So SpongeBob is on the Flying Dutchman. Patrick is driving. Okay. Yep. I believe the Patrick's driving the boat and SpongeBob's like down in front of the boat. And so so the Flying Dutchman's a ginormous pirate ship. Mm-hmm. And so they're, they're driving the ship and there's two rocks like right here like coral reef whatever it is like mm-hmm. two rocks right here and they're trying to go between it. And so Patrick's driving this giant pirate ship between the two rocks. It does not fit. Nope. You see carnage everywhere. The the boat is being chipped to pieces. Planks flying like there's everything. And the whole time SpongeBob's going, you're good. You're good. <laughs> Keep going. You're fine. Keep going. You're good. That is what many of us um, could admit our relationships are like. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Patrick, I'm so sorry. <laughs> you are Patrick now. But no, you're not. Kevin. <laughs> Were you trying to say that? I was. Out of my mouth. Um, Kevin does not approve. But no. No. But, so that's, I think, how I think we could all relate to that. Like, mm-hmm. we all have relationships where, you know, we just kind of press on, yeah. no matter how many pieces of carnage are flying <laughs> around us. Yes. And we just, as if to say, it's fine, it's fine. Mm-hmm. So this month, we're, we're taking a look at uh, relationship resets. Um, and it's going to be an interesting month, I think, mm-hmm. uh, for a lot of reasons. But today we're going to take a look at Jesus. And so so Jesus at first glance, honestly, can we, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but he was kind of bad at relationships. Mm. Mm, that's right. So it almost seems like he's callous and he's indifferent and he's just kind of standoffish in a lot of the ways he's related to people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, for example, you know, right off the bat, we find in Luke 2. That at a young age of 12 years old, Jesus skips the Bethlehem bus and he stays behind at the temple. And so Mary, of course, is horrified. And mm-hmm. upon finally finding Jesus, she sternly asks him, Jesus! Is that your Mary? <laughs> it is. Okay. Where were, what were you thinking? No, wait, you can't just go, Jesus! Okay. Yeah. Jesus! What were you thinking? Okay. I like Minnie Mouse. Yeah, that's so a Minnie Mouse. Mary was Minnie Mouse. Anyways, <laughs> uh, so she, she, you know, finds him and, and is like kind of giving him a scolding too, if mm-hmm. you will. Now... We would expect Jesus to give a nice, polite, little house on the prairie response to Mary, is what we would think, you know. We'd expect him to say something like, gee willikers, Ma, <laughs> I'm really sorry. I won't do this again. And maybe that's just me. I but, don't know if I've ever pictured that, but go on. Okay. Instead. <laughs> Poor little man. Instead, me or Jesus? <laughs> Instead, Jesus almost ignores Mary's rebuke. Like he almost acts as if she didn't say that. And this is what Jesus res- responds to Mary with: "I must be about my father's business." Mm-hmm. Now, if I said that to my mom, 
G Willikers. Uh, she would shake your plate. <laughs> she would shake my plate. Uh, but but shake your plate. You said shake. Dogs. <laughs> shake would be too far. Uh, <laughs> CJ's cooking Jiffy Pop over there. <laughs> so do we see how Jesus kind of gives a relationship reset here? Mm-hmm. So here's Mary, his mom, who Jesus is called to honor. He's called to respect. Um, he's called to honor her, right? And so in this scene, in Jesus doing this, he's not being disrespectful. He's not being rebellious. He's not even being sinful. Instead, what I'd like to propose is that Jesus pushes a reset button on this mother-son relationship. So Jesus reminds Mary that the first and foremost responsibility of any relationship is to honor God, Mm -hmm. is to fulfill God's will, even at the expense of the will of those we love. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? And so Jesus was unwilling to bow down to the expectations of his earthly mother if it meant letting down his heavenly father. And so may this be a stark reminder to us as parents um, and to Mary that Oh, come on. You say Auntie Mary. Auntie Mary. <laughs> but you didn't need Auntie Mary in that voice because you're not imitating Mary. But continue. Okay. Mm, I'm yeah. being criticized for my cartoon ways, and I That's deserve okay. every bit of it. Yeah, you do. So as parents, <laughs> thanks, Jim. <laughs> welcome. Are we living pleasing to our children or to God? Mm-hmm. Are we here to gain their favor, to give them their best life, and to hand them everything they want, or... Is God's will for their life, first and foremost, our priority above all else? Mm-hmm. I think that really is something that we all need to step back and evaluate. Not just what, like, I think we can give the textbook answer up here, but like, look at how we're living. Look at what we're mm-hmm. doing. And really, this applies to all relationships, parent mm-hmm. and child, spouse, um, any any relationship you have. Are you working to gain their favor, to make them happy, to give them what they want? Or are you working first and foremost to please God? Because that's the priority of every mm-hmm. relationship. So we fast forward some time and we find that in Mark 3, a sort of awkward family feud is going on. Mm-hmm. Um, it really just gets more awkward from here because we find Jesus is publicly teaching and the Bible says that Jesus's family actually come to him and they try to take a hold of him because the Bible says they believed he was beside himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, grasp this. Jesus is literally preaching and mid-sermon, his family grabs him by the arm oh, no. and, <laughs> <laughs> and <plain> <laughs> grabs him by the arm and begins to yank him away as if to say nothing to see here yeah <laughs> he's, he's just not himself today yeah. right <laughs> now if you're a pk right imagine your dad's up there preaching on the you know on stage and like that would not go well like that would not be acceptable for us to do that mm. and, and yet here's the very family of jesus and they're embarrassed of him they're they're trying to cover up the unpopular mm-hmm. teachings of the things he said and so We find again that instead of going along with the expectations of his family, instead of caving and appeasing and bowing down to their wants, Jesus gives a relationship reset. In verse 33, Jesus responds with, who is my mother? Who is my brother? Only those who do the will of God. In other words, Jesus gives his very own flesh and blood, the cold shoulder here, and he actually denies any relationship with them, which, ouch, that kind of stings a little bit. Like, Like, we think Jesus is so like... Again, Little House on the Prairie, yeah. like so perfect and prim, but he, yep. the ouch. Now, I say this all the time. Like, I think that when we read the Bible, everything seems so peachy keen. Yeah. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, even like the Pharisees are questioning Jesus about things. Yeah. Like, when we read it in our mind, they're like, excuse me, sir. Yeah. Explain that. Pass a bit the crumpets. I have a question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, they raised their hand, like, I don't mean to be rude, right, but. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like not just not... getting in his face and yelling at him. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, they were definitely like, uh, 
hostile right. towards him. Yeah, but when we read the Bible, like we don't read it as a hostile book yep. yeah. at all. And so Jesus makes a point here. Those who do the will of God are my true family. So here's his literal flesh and blood, literal mother, literal brothers. And Jesus says, who is my mother? Who is my brother? Mm -hmm. Only those who do the will of God. And so Jesus points out that the family of God is stronger than any family tree. Mm -hmm. It's not that Jesus was being rude to his family here, but I believe he's again giving them a wake-up call. He's given them a, re a reason to be reckoned with. More important than the family name of Joseph, more important than their reputation, more important than their comfort or any blood that they shared between them was the will of God. Mm -hmm. And so Jesus reminds Mary and his siblings here that to do the will of God is the chiefest responsibility in any relationship above all else. That is the priority. That's why God has put us together. That is why God has placed us here. It's to fulfill his will and not any earthly will. Mm -hmm. But then there's the teachings of Jesus. And this gets a little awkward. <laughs> Because when you put these together, again, kind of like Kevin said, like, it's not so nice. Like, yeah, right. like, like we, family is a very good thing. Yeah. Family is a heavenly institution that God created. Mm -hmm. And yet Jesus had some stuff to say about it. Yeah. And it's, again, because man has twisted what, what family is, what relationship is. But mm -hmm. take a look at this, what Jesus has to say. So you may remember in Matthew 8, where Jesus told a would-be follower to skip his dad's funeral mm -hmm. and let the dead bear their dead. How rude. Mm -hmm. uh, how outlandish, how unrealistic, what an un unrealistic expectation Jesus gives this guy. In Luke 9, he told another man who wanted to go back and say goodbye to his family that before following Jesus, he wasn't fit for the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. If you want to go say goodbye, if you want to go give them a hug, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. Yeah. Yeesh, come on, Jesus. Mm -hmm. That's so unfair. But it gets worse because in Luke 14, Jesus says, unless you hate your mother mm -hmm. and you hate your father and you hate your sister and brother and wife and even yourself, you cannot be my disciple. Mm -hmm. In fact, in Luke 12, we read where Jesus declares that he's actually come to be divisive. Jesus says that he came to divide father against son, mother against daughter, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, son-in-law against father-in-law. Is Jesus allowed to do that? Is Jesus allowed to say these things? I think you have to look deeper into what he's saying. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. There, because literally what he's saying is, I come to divide believers and not believers Absolutely. Yeah. Correct. So he's, Correct. He's not literally saying, like, like if they're both believers, mm -hmm. he's not saying, I'm going <laughs> to divide apart, you. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, and like, this is a, a verse that I think a lot of, I don't know, people who challenge mm -hmm. God's love or Christianity yeah. itself, they're like, he's literally saying, divide them. And it's just like, no, you don't no. understand. Yeah, you have to take it like, in context. Yeah. No, and you're spot on. But what I want us to grasp is within that, Jesus is prioritizing the kingdom of God above the family unit. Yes. Mm -hmm. And yet in, in church today, in Christianity, how many people are switching that order? Mm -hmm. Putting the family unit, putting blood, putting our relatives, putting our, our spouses, putting our families, putting any relationship above the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. What's funny to me, though, is when you do that, when you focus on the family, I'm speaking. I know. Don't point it out. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> they'll spend all their time and energy focusing on their family, focusing on those relationships, mm -hmm. and those relationships will be terrible. And they'll lose it. Yeah. yeah. Like, it'll be nothing. Yeah. But when you do it the right way, yep. it's almost like everything else just falls into place. Yep, You'll absolutely. have those good relationships with your yep. family, your spouse, whatever, when you put God first. So would you say it's the same as Jesus teaching, unless you lose your life, you can't gain it. Unless Kinda, you save yeah. your life, you can't lose yeah. it. It's the yeah. same with the family. You can't save yeah. your family unless you lose them. Yeah. And you can't lose your family unless you save them. Don't put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a long saying. It continues on the back. Turn around. <laughs> okay. 
So again, it's not that Jesus is being mean here. It's not that he's trying to wreck the institution of the family unit. Jesus is pushing the reset button here on relationships. The family was God's creation. His plan, his desire for all people was family. Mm-hmm. He calls the church, the body, his, his, the family of God, right? And so it's a good thing. And yet it is a secondary relationship that will not last. Do we realize that? Mm-hmm. When we get to heaven, there will be no marriage. Mm-hmm. There will be no families. Mm-hmm. When we get to heaven... Any relationship we endure here will not be eternal. Mm -hmm. Our relationship with him will always last. It will be everlasting. And so uh, don't neglect your eternal relationships with your heavenly father for a temporary relationship, which inevitably will come to an end. Mm -hmm. And so every relationship which we have is intended to bring God glory, to to prioritize, and to point to him. But then notice that awkwardly, Mm. Jesus actually did have a single successful relationship while on earth. That's awkward. We already said that his relationship with his mom and his siblings was interesting, to say the least. We know that Jesus had quite a spicy rough and tumble relationship with his peers. Uh, Kevin already talked about that. And we find him criticizing, rebuking, calling out, putting down, scolding, flipping tables, making fun of all the fellow (laughs) religious leaders of his day. All of his peers and co-workers, if you will, quote unquote. We see Jesus has a rocky relationship with his disciples as he was constantly on their case about their faith, their lack of understanding, their idiotic indifference. We find that Jesus called them not just disciples, but he says, I call you friends. Mm -hmm. And yet of the 12 friends, one of them would be a betrayer of Jesus. Mm -hmm. The other 11 would desert him and leave him. And we find that Jesus was seemingly a failure as a citizen relationship to his government. Uh, We find that. Even as a member of the Jewish religion, he was a failure. And so we know that Jesus never dated. He was never married. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we realize later in the New Testament that Jesus actually has a bride Mm -hmm. known as the church. And so we're like, oh, finally, a relationship that will go swell. (laughs) And yet we find that they're adulterous and they are Mm -hmm. not faithful to him. And so that didn't go so well. And so is it awkward to anyone else that Jesus was a complete failure when it came to relationships? I, None of you are that. Okay, brave Kevin will talk. Yes. <laughs> As you know, I'll step on it when it comes to relationships. Okay, so Jesus was here to do God's will. Okay, and he did it perfectly. Mm-hmm. No one else can do it perfectly. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so because to say, like, he had a very high standard of oh, yeah. living. Mm-hmm. Okay, and since, like, he's really pushing the bar for everyone to have that standard mm-hmm. of living. Like, I'm sure that he knew that every relationship would fail, but not on his part, but on, like, our part, Mm -hmm. okay? Because he's like, I'm telling you how to do this perfectly, Mm -hmm. even though you're incapable of doing it perfectly. You're going to get in your feelings because Mm -hmm. I'm not going to relent on how I think you should live. And I think that as creatures of the flesh, in almost every relationship, it's like... They're not going to change this thing mm-hmm. about right. them. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, my kids will always leave the bathroom towel on the floor. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes, like, have you do. been to my house? <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, like, for example, ladies, like, my husband always leaves his muddy boots mm-hmm. there, like, even though I tell him a thousand times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But at some point, you just come to the realization that I'm going to have to move his butt. His muddy move his boots. butt. <laughs> I'm going to say bloody. Bleep that out, CJ. But I hope that your husband doesn't have blood. I'm like, he gets like a meat slot. Okay. Anyway, but the point is, is, is that we tend to think like, well, that's just part of the relationship. It's yeah. not a deal breaker. Yeah. Where Jesus is like, if you don't move your boots, 
I'm not going <laughs> to move them for you. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, my standard is not yeah. the same as yours. Yep, absolutely. Well, and I think, too, when you're thinking... So, in everything that he did, especially when it came to relationships, it was in love. Yeah. Yes. So, he was perfect. Right. And I think that's where it's, like, it gets kind of wonky with us is that when we're quote unquote blunt or whatever a lot of times we have a bad motive yeah yeah he never had that so that he never had that yeah. so like we could all if we were perfect and we didn't have the selfishness of us we could also carry on our relationships like that because yeah. it would be out of love yeah. not yeah. out of what we could gain from it yeah. and i think that's a that's what he's you know he said you could have this right. if you would get yourself out of the way right, <laughs> right. so uh Again, Jesus, God in flesh, perfect person, sent to lead us in the way, to be the example. And yet, as we already said, 100% of his relationships seemingly were failures and flaws, mm -hmm. problematic and, and predicaments. And so was Jesus the flawed example? Should we follow him in every relationship or should we follow him in every area of life except for relationships because he didn't get that right? I think we've already answered. The answer is no. We should follow him in relationships even though in the Bible they were all failures. And so let me elaborate on that a little bit. Could it be that the Bible is intentional and in telling us about the details of these wrecked relationships for a deeper reason? Could it be that the Bible doesn't sweep these rank relationships under the rug because the Bible wants to remind us of a truth that we can all relate to? Kevin kind of already stole my thunder. <laughs> this is the realization. <laughs> Give it back. This is the realization that we see in the life of Jesus. There is no such thing as a perfect relationship. Mm -hmm. That's that's the life of Jesus. Now, we already said Jesus was perfect. You, you both already said that. Mm -hmm. Jesus was perfect. He held up half of a perfect relationship. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The problem was the there was another half. Yeah. <laughs> right. yes. And then yes. for us. There's two, two bad halves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so there's literally, he has no perfect relationships. And so this is what I want us to realize. And maybe, maybe this means nothing for anyone, but this was really eye-opening for me. As long as you're on earth, as long as you're in a relationship with flesh, whether it's you or another person or both, there will be no perfection there. Mm -hmm. Period. It wasn't that Jesus failed in the, this area of his life. It's not that these people, uh, you know, just it, it, it was that Jesus had a relationship with broken people in a broken world. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so, as you guys already said, even if Jesus did everything 100 percent perfectly with all of his relationships, there would still be another flawed, failing, faulty party involved. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so this is why Jesus doesn't pretend that his relationship with his mother is all good. Like SpongeBob and Patrick on The Flying Dutchman, they don't keep saying, it's good, it's fine, keep going, it's good, you're good. Jesus calls out the problems mm -hmm. because he sees that it's there's genuinely problems here. Mm -hmm. And yet he doesn't sweep it under the rug. He understands there may never be perfection, but I have to show the example of perfection. Yeah. And so Jesus doesn't pretend that uh, his relationship with his mom is good. He doesn't act like the disciples have it all together. Jesus pushes reset as he calls out the problems. And yet he never gives up on them. That's what's beautiful. Like if I were if I were if I were him and we're striving for perfection and yet I know ultimately there will be no perfection. I'd be like Yeah. I'm done. It is what it is. It is what it is at this yeah. point. Why yeah. try? Yeah, and right. yet he never gives up. I mean, I was even thinking this week that even the Pharisees like we never read of him washing his hands all the way to the end. He's trying to call them to see their own ways. Mm -hmm. And so even in that spicy relationship, Jesus is continually showing them grace and trying to get them to change. And so Jesus was long suffering. He endured with patience in each relationship that he had. Jesus gave grace because mm -hmm. he understood that every person that he would ever come in contact with was living in a broken world, a cursed world that was never meant to be. Yep. And so this is the challenge today. 
Are we following Jesus' example when it comes to relationships? Are we using every relationship first and foremost to point back to God? But also, whether it's your parents, your children, your friends, your spouse, or anyone else that you have a relationship with, have you come to realize that they are a broken person and they live in a broken world and they need long-suffering and they need grace, period? Not what they deserve, not what they should, but that is what they are to get from you because that is what you've gotten from him. Mm -hmm. That's good. Good stuff. Um, So the word Mm long-suffering, okay? So before I got saved, I thought long-suffering was just as the word says, you will suffer Suffer for a a long time. (laughs) And it's just like, oh, so as a Christian, I'm going to suffer for a long time. That's no fun. Okay? So then as, as I, you know gotten deeper and closer to God, I came to the true meaning of long suffering. And it's like you're patient with someone, even though you're not the problem, they're the problem. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. you are just like, I you're the problem, not me, but I'm still gonna endure right. Right. with my patience. Yep. yep. So it's like being patient. So I uh since you poked the bear, okay. um, I wrote the first podcast and threw it away. But the first one said this uh <laughs> bonus content. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 13, we all know, is the love chapter. Mm-hmm. And so Paul starts off that that, that that 13th chapter by saying, you know, um, that I can have faith to move mountains and I can be a sounding brass and symbols. I can do all of these great, great things. I can have knowledge and wisdom. I can have everything that a good Christian wants in their life. And yet if I don't have love, I have nothing. Mm-hmm. But this is what Paul says next. In the first verse describing love, he says, love is long-suffering. Mm-hmm. That's the mm-hmm. first description he gives to love. Mm-hmm. And yet I think all of us are like, yeah, we need love. Long-suffering, yeah, that's not so important. Mm -hmm. And yet that's the first descriptor Paul gives to love. And so just like Kevin said, we need to – it it means patience. It means Mm -hmm. enduring with them. But it also – it can mean suffering long. It can mean as long as they're an awful person, you suffer long in that relationship. (laughs) I mean, really, it can mean that. And so this is what I want us to recognize. No matter who that relationship is with that you're having a problem in, reset your mind. God is the first and foremost priority. But secondly, recognize that this is a flawed person. Mm -hmm. This is a flawed world. We are flawed people. And so that means grace is needed here. Long suffering is needed here. And true love is patient. True love is long suffering. And so uh, we need to give, we need to offer more grace than we're given. We need to be more patient than we had ever planned. And we need to love with long suffering. And so it's time to stop making excuses. It's time to stop uh, acting like we've got it all together and we're doing just fine in our relationships. And it's time to push that relationship reset. And I hope this month, we're going to talk about a lot of relationships this month, mm-hmm. but I hope that it's not like we pick those three really bad relationships and we reset mm-hmm. those. Yeah. My hopes is that we reset all relationships, mm-hmm. whatever. So if you had a ranking list, uh, remember the story of the grandma who ranks her grandchildren. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you had that for your relationships in your life, you know, and whatever that number one is, that's just rock star relationship, doing the best, gold stars all the way around. Do you realize that can still be more God glorifying? That relationship can still improve. Uh, there can still be more grace given. It can just grow. And so what would it look like to re- reset every relationship that we have to improve it for God's glory? Mm-hmm. So today's considerable quote, I don't know that I've quoted him, but he's just as good as Spurgey. Mm-hmm. Oswald Chambers says this, no love of the natural heart is safe unless the human heart has been satisfied by God first. Ooh. Oldie song by Mark Schultz. I'm not even sure if he sings anymore. He's a so. very long time ago showing my age here. Mm-hmm. His love has come by Mark Schultz. 
So today's Charge Up Challenge, make a list of some of your most important and most trying relationships. Post this list somewhere where you'll see it regularly, probably the fridge. Pray not that you would succeed in these relationships, but that you would respond spiritually in each of these relationships. Pray that God would give you his heart, desire, and priority for each of these people. I want to say congratulations to uh, five people, if I can get their <laughs> name, remember the names, the five people who answered correctly on last week's mm -hmm. trivia question. So Renee, Tina, Missy Harper, Kendra Hall, and Dodie Kaiser. Mm -hmm. Congratulations yeah. for answering that correctly. We uh, give you a round of applause and kudos, and uh, Kevin will blow you a kiss. <laughs> <laughs> that was well worth it, my friends. Today's trivia question is this. How many times is the word love found in the Bible? Ooh. Yeah. A, 954, B, 442, C, 345, or D, 234? Is it just the word love or charity? Love. Okay. Loophole. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Google is your friend, people. No, that's cheating, Kevin. <laughs> Don't listen to him. You, Take know, that you have to go through the Bible <laughs> yeah. and count it. Page by page. Yeah. Uh, well, friends, uh, we encourage you to like, comment, share below. If you're listening to the podcast today, thank you. And uh, we'd like to challenge you to leave us a review. That really helps our future viewers and listeners. And so, so grateful you all have joined us. Uh, as, as podcasters to our audience, our relationship, we want you to know we're trying. We're, we're working on this. It. We're resetting. And we're working on this. We love you. We give grace. And we don't expect any back. And <laughs> we know lot. you're broken. And it's fine. So We're broken, too. That's right. So until next time, we'll see you. Bye, guys. Bye. No, but I was just like, does she believe you though? I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Still to be determined. Yeah, Kevin, true. know your story of getting in the other guy's car. That's not time for now. Getting the one. You're gonna have to tell that story. We'll tell you that story later. Some point. Okay. I don't know if I remember. No, I have blocked if that out of my memory. Yes, it's the best. It's a good story. <laughs> it's the best. Why is this guy following me? <laughs> <laughs> it is the best. Okay, Kevin, give me something to look forward to before you lick the wall. <laughs> now that's the intro. <laughs> oh. Oh.